here we go. You have your Bibles this morning or your device, turn to John chapter 2. We're going to get there in just a minute. But I want to talk about something this morning. We're talking about live to give. Live to give. Live to give. That's what we want to put up there, live to give. And uh, I want to talk about something specific this morning as it relates to that. Uh, and that is, uh, I really, I read this, this passage of scripture in John. Uh, a while ago, and something really stood out to me about Mary in this situation. Mary, when we read this, you all remember this story, even if you're not a Christian or you haven't been in church, uh, you have heard this story before. In fact, last night when we were uh, having the youth fundraiser and the Valentine dinner, somebody kind of brought this story up because you'll see in a moment they were wondering if we were going to have a little bit of something that was in this story. But um, I noticed something that Mary really honed in on in this story. We focus a lot in this story on what happened and the sign and the miracle and all of that, but there's something that Mary focused in on that I really uh, think uh, we, that we can draw out of this and apply to our lives. And so uh, really, you know, this could be called what Mary knew about miracles, but I'm calling it obedience is the key. Obedience is the key. If we're going to be successful in life, if we're going to do anything, we must grasp this concept, okay? And when you talk about uh, being a giver, when you talk about live to give, this is, certainly has to do with money, but this has to do with our marriage, our health, our spiritual walk, school. <laughs> Come on, it has to do with every area, our relationships. Obedience is the key to receiving any type of miracle even from God. A lot of us press in and, and say, Lord, you know, I need a miracle in my life, this financial blessing or uh, this healing, whatever it might be. I really need a miracle, and we have to realize that obedience really is the key to our miracle. Come on. If you want to walk a miraculous life, then obedience is the key. John chapter 2, I'm starting right at verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James Version. The Bible says this, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And they ran out of wine. The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour is not yet. His mother said to the servants, pay attention to this now. Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Take in every part of this story, okay? Put yourself in this situation at this wedding. 20 or 30 gallons apiece, okay? Six water pots. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim, and he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. Now, there's something I want to tell you about weddings, these, these weddings in Israel. 
These weddings in Israel went on for several days, you know, maybe a week, and uh, lasted for probably seven days. So that was a serious wedding feast, you know what I mean? And they had a long reception. The bride and groom were treated like royalty for that whole period of time. This, now, when we first started this uh, chapter in verse 1, it says on the third day. And, you know, when you read that, you say, well, third day, why, what, what's significant about on the third day there was a wedding? You know, once I began to study at how long the wedding feast was, I thought this could possibly be on the third day of that wedding feast, maybe. Because I begin to think, now I don't know for sure, you can correct me, but I begin to think, if you run out of wine on the first day, then you, that's just poor planning, come on. I mean, it's the first day of the wedding, and you run out of wine, uh, you know, that's just, that's just poor planning. It, it was the groom's family's responsibility, right, to provide the food and drink for that period of time. If they ran out, then it was just embarrassing. Come on now. It's just embarrassing. You ran out early. It's a, it's a disgrace to both families. It was a scandal and a shame for years. I mean, think about it. You know, you and your, your, your wife, 20 years later, uh, go out to dinner maybe with a couple of other couples, and you're sitting there at dinner, and maybe somebody orders wine, and then you think, you know, I remember that time. Y'all's wedding. Y'all ran out of wine. You're never going to live it down. You're never going to live it down. I mean, it's just embarrassing if that happens. It's just a scandal and a shame for the rest of their lives. And uh, here is a sign that Jesus performed that didn't really seem like it had a lot of significance to it. I mean, it wasn't healing someone. It wasn't raising someone from the dead. You know, I mean, it wasn't flashy. You know, the pool of Bethesda wasn't troubled. The water wasn't troubled. And this great miracle happened. Simply helping a family in the community avoid embarrassment. You ever thought about that, reading this passage of scripture? History and tradition would tell us that it's likely that Jesus and Mary and his disciples were invited to this wedding, possibly because it was family. Maybe there was a family member. Uh, I mean, I've even read some stuff where it might have even been John, uh, you know, his cousin, Second cousin, I think, you know, John, maybe, I don't know, but it could have, could have possibly been a family member. And if that's the case, it would explain uh, why Mary was also so concerned. I mean, Mary's a mother. Come on. She's, Mary's obviously got a great heart. God chose her, you know, and uh, she didn't want to see them embarrassed, and especially not her family. And so it could be why she was so concerned about it. Now, what I was interested in in this particular story is why did Mary go to Jesus at this particular point? You know, there was no one to be healed. Uh, you know, they just ran out of wine. Secondly, you know, as you heard Jesus say later, what does that have to do with me? Why are you coming to me with this? You know, my time is not yet. So why did Mary go to Jesus? I mean, she knew the family would be embarrassed. And notice Mary, notice her. She got very to the point, like a mother. Uh, they have no wine. Come on. I mean, she didn't Jesus, well, you know, oh boy. No, they have no wine. Just right to the point. Why did she go to him? Jesus, now this is, this is uh, you know, theology here. Honestly, Jesus could not have performed miracles before this time, okay? And I'll tell you why. is because Jesus 
is, was an example to us, okay? As he walked the earth, everything he did, he did under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't until he was filled with the Spirit until he started performing miracles, I believe. I mean, we don't have any record either way of when he was a kid, you know. But I begin to think, and the reason that, you know, because us, we, we don't do anything without the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in Acts that really we don't even have the power to witness without the Holy Spirit. Power will be given uh, to you from on high, and you shall be my witnesses. Power will be given to you, and you shall be my witnesses. So we really can't even witness properly without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so for that reason, that's why I believe that Jesus didn't perform miracles before this time. But you know how your mind begins to wonder. So I just began to wonder... Uh, you know, what would have happened if Jesus performed miracles before this time? Because I was thinking, why did Mary go to him? At first I thought, well, she must have, no, she must have seen him perform miracles before, but then I realized, well, no, that's not the case. But then I thought, what if she did? You know, I mean, what if Mary saw him, you know, maybe as a little boy? What if while they're all out there playing in the pond, you know, he got caught walking on the pond instead of, you know, so get down, get down like the other kids and swim in the pond, like the rest of them. Come on, Jesus. What if, uh, you know, Roscoe, the family dog, you know, got hit by a chariot one day? He's out in the street, and the other kid, his brother and sister, James, and they come in crying, you know, Roscoe got hit. You know, he's dead out in the street. And she looks at Jesus, you know, and then Jesus goes out there, and he comes back in with Roscoe. Look, he's all right. <laughs> he was just knocked out, you know, that type of thing. Or what if one night, you know, Mary's, uh, Jesus is in there doing his homework, Mary's in the kitchen getting ready to prepare dinner, and she, Jesus, I need you to go to the store and get some flour. I need flour. Mom, I'm doing my homework. I have to have this turned in tomorrow morning. I need the flour, Jesus. You need to go. I don't care what you're doing. Listen to your mother. I got to have it. Your father will be home soon. I need this flour to get dinner done. Why don't you look in the cabinet again, Mom? <laughs> You know, I don't know. I don't know, I, uh, you know, what, would, what that would have been like, you know, if Jesus would have performed miracles. But I do believe uh, that he did not perform miracles until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So uh, why then did Mary go to him? You know, she must have known something. She knew. She knew. And notice what she does. And I think this is the key to this whole message today. She said to Jesus, they have no wine. Jesus says to her, what does that have to do with me? Almost a typical male response, right? What am I supposed to do? What, what do you want me to do, right? Mom, it's not my time. Notice what she does. Here's the thing. And just imagine this, okay? Because you might think Mary was timid. Well, Jesus, you know, could you? But the way she said it to me, uh, they have no wine. And then Jesus, well, what does that have to do with me? Notice she does not even acknowledge what he said. You read that in the story? He said, what does that have to do with me? She said, turn to the servants. Whatever he says, do it. Hmm. I'm your mother. Even the son of God had respect for his mother. Come on. <laughs> she didn't even acknowledge. She just said, look, whatever he says, do it. And that's our key phrase. Whatever he says, do it. Typical mother. She's not taking no for an answer. Notice how she says it. In other words, you know, whatever he says, and then she puts that on there, do it, do it, do it. 
Nike made a billion dollars off of just do it. Mary's the one who come up with it. Do it. Whatever he says, just do it. <laughs> and the thing that jumps out even about that phrase is whatever. Whatever he says. I mean, how crazy was it for the servants to fill up water pots with water? Now, you know, also you'll notice in the story, he said these six water pots, and they were ceremonial water pots. In other words, they were used for cleansing. So you washed your hands and washed off in these water pots. This wasn't uh, good water. This wasn't spring water. This wasn't, you know, bottled water from Kroger. This was just water that you used to wash your hands with. How crazy is that? So whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, do it. You know, a few weeks from now, three weeks from now, we're going to have a first fruit offering. And the thing about it is I want to convey to you is I'm not asking you to, uh, you know, give a certain amount when we do our first fruit offering or anything like that or compare yourself to someone else. Here's the thing. Whatever he says, do it. You need healing in your life? Whatever he says, do it. Pray about it and whatever he said. You got a relationship that needs work? Come on, a cousin, your spouse, whatever it might be. Go to the Lord and guess what? Whatever he says, what? Do that. Do it. Do it. I just want you to pray and hear what God would say to you. Whatever he says, do it. I mean, think about what God uses. He uses this cer these ceremonial water pots, this water that's used for washing your hands, washing dirt uh, to, to, to perform this miracle. Uh, remember, Jesus walked on water. Water is not stable. Come on, water is unstable. <laughs> I mean, water just forms to whatever you put it in. But Jesus uses that <laughs> to do miracles. <laughs> he walks on water. He turns water into wine. Come on. There's three things that I want you to notice, three quick things about this story, about obedience. Obedience is the key. Obedience is the key. The first thing here is obedience can be measured. Obedience can be measured. Come on. Verse 7, Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them to the brim, the Bible says. Now, when you fill something to the brim... That means that you can get nothing else in there. It's impossible to fill it anymore. Now, I want you to think about this. Every drop of water that was in those water pots turned into a drop of heaven's wine. Every drop of washing dirt water that was in those ceremonial pots turned into a drop of heaven's wine. Why? Because they were obedient to what Jesus said. Come on. Here's the thing about it. What if they'd only filled it up halfway? I mean, this is heaven's wine we're talking about. If they would have known what it was going to turn into, they would have filled it up until it was overflowing. You're going to turn this into heaven's wine. I want all of it in there. But Jesus wants you to be obedient even when you don't understand how he's going to do it. Because we really don't need to know how he's going to do it. We just need to trust that he is going to do it because he's God. And whatever he says, do it. Heaven's wine. 
You determine the measure that God blesses you with. That's what we talked about a few weeks ago in Luke 6. Remember the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. If you use a teaspoon to give to the kingdom of God, God may give you a teaspoon back. If you use a quart, he may give you back a quart. You use a bucket, he'll give you back a bucket. You use a dump truck, come on. God will give you back a dump truck, he'll give it back to you. Come on. Obedience can be, you determine the extent of the miracle by your obedience. I determine it, we determine it. They determined how much wine they got by how much water they put in. Jesus said, fill it up. But if they only put half, filled it up halfway because they said, oh, man, this guy's a little crazy. And she came over here with Mary, and, you know, she's a little emotional. And uh, I don't know who this guy even is, but I'll put a little water in there. Here, now what? You want to wash your hands with it? What? They don't understand. So because they weren't obedient, they only got a little bit of heaven's wine. But because they were, come on, <laughs> they put in something natural. Jesus turned it into something supernatural. Come on. So my question for you today is what measure are you going to use in your life? Are you going to fill it up to the brim? Are you going to give as much as you can to your relationships, of your time, of your money? Or are you just going to give a little bit? Come on. You give a little, you're going to get a little back. You give much, you're going to get much back. It's a spiritual law. That's the spiritual principle. We need to be extravagant givers in every area of our life. I noticed it last night when we had, listen, uh, when we had the uh, Night to Remember Valentine's special last night with the kids, we, I actually wanted to con contract the, um, the Filipino fellowship, some ladies from there, to, to make some food and then just drop it off to us. And I wanted to pay them for the food and then also pay them for their time uh, that it would cost uh, to make all that food. And they made a tremendous amount of good food, trust me. It was really good, and uh, several dishes of food. And uh, they brought all of that over, and don't you know that they stayed and helped to serve the food, helped to put it on plates and put it together just because that's who they are? And then I said, well, how much is it for your time? No, 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 don't worry about the time. Uh, I'll tell you what, just reimburse us for the amount of food that we bought. So, you know, I'm thinking it's going to be one amount, and they gave us all of the receipts. turned out to be half of what I thought it would be. And then by the end of the night, so they ended up staying. By the end of the night, we were taking donations and different things. They ended up giving so many donations between all of them that it covered even what we paid them. And so it didn't cost us anything for the food or anything. And they wouldn't take anything. They wouldn't take anything. How much are you willing to give? I believe those ladies are going to be so blessed by God because of their heart. They just wanted to give, just pure givers. Come on. How much are you willing to give? How much? There are those who are a single mom or a single dad or those who have a lot of bills or, you know, that need to be paid off. Come on now. <laughs> or whatever situation you're in. I understand that. I really, really do. And so that's why I'm telling you, it's not about the amount that you give, but it's about your heart. Always say that God wants what? What does he want? He wants your heart. He wants your heart. And he knows if he has your heart, he has all of you. And he's able to bless you extravagantly. Extravagance isn't about the amount that you give. That's not what extravagance is, okay, as it compares to someone else. Here's what extravagance is with the Lord. It's whatever he says, come on, do it. 
That's what it is. Whatever, he just wants you to be obedient. Just be obedient. Whatever he says, do it. And I guarantee you, nine out of ten times, it's going to be more than you thought you could do. Whether it's a relationship, this is more time. I don't have time for this. You know, I was telling my wife, uh, you know, she, she's, she's going through this thing with the, with the pain in her leg. And, uh, you know, she's got all these, this homework due for school and all this stuff. And she's trying to do laundry uh, and all this kind of stuff. And I said, uh, Didi, just lay down. <laughs> you know, I don't have time for this. I said, look, you don't, we never have time for anything. You know what I mean? Stuff, life happens, stuff comes. You never have time for it. You know, I, I tell uh, young couples, uh, you know, well, we're just going to wait till we're financially set before we start having kids. I said, good luck. You know, when you're 65, maybe you can start having kids when you start drawing your 401k, okay? I mean, because, you know, nine out of ten times, it's not everything. The stars are not going to line up. <laughs> when God tells you to do something, don't wait for the stars to line up. Just do it. Whatever he says, come on. Do it. Just do it. And also, side note, uh, obedience to me is a twofold thing. Obedience is whatever he says, do it. But it's also whenever he says to do it, do it. Come on. Do what I say when I say. Come on, parents. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Do what I say when I say do it. <laughs> Come on. And so that's what obedience is. That's what obedience is. Here's why. Because if you could do it on your own without God, he gets no glory out of that. Come on. He can't perform a miracle in your life because you're limiting him. You're limiting God by not being obedient, by not being an extravagant giver. Obedient prompts the supernatural. So obedience can be measured. Number two, obedience, and I found this out, obedience transforms dead religion into exciting faith. It really, have you ever been part of a dead religious society? You ever been to a dead party? Come on. Some of y'all who used to party, you, come on now, you know what I'm talking about. You go to the party, you ready? Whoop, and people dead, they around talking, nobody's excited. You're like, well, I could have stayed home for this. I could have stayed home and watched, you know, Blacklist or something, or I don't know, whatever it is. Something on Netflix, if it's just going to be a dead party, I thought we was going to come and, you know, talk and be excited and all this kind of stuff. We can be like that in, in religion, too. We can be religious. Come on, just boring. <laughs> You just wanted to, you just want to leave and go home and go home and watch a Lifetime movie instead of coming to church and be bored. Come on. Or I can go home and watch some service on TV where they're jumping around and jump around in my living room. That's not what God wants you to do. He wants us to come together. Come on. He wants us to come together. These were ceremonial washing pots. There was no significance to them other than to wash your hands. How do you think people came to these washing pots? You know, when they, they're, they're ready for the, the party. I mean, come on now. This is, you know, we're, this is a seven-day party. I mean, we're doing the gospel electric slide. I mean, come on, we partying. We whoop. Come on, they got married. We're going to treat them like a king and a queen for seven days. We're ready to party. But, we, but to get in there, uh, we got to wash our hands. So just go. How do you think they came to the washing pot? Let's get this over with, and let's get on to the party. That's how they approached the washing pots, the ceremonial washing pots. How do you think they approached them once the water was turned into wine? Now, all of a sudden, the party is around the washing pots. Come on. I mean, that's where the party is. Can I take a couple of these washing pots home with me? Come on. I mean, it's not just wine. This is heaven's wine. They were, they were, there was nothing exciting about those washing pots until Jesus got involved. 
See, that's what it is. It's not the thing. It's not the church. It's not the sanctuary or the song or this person's preaching or that. It's that. But when Jesus gets involved, come on. When you allow Jesus to get involved, when you're obedient to what he says and he's able to come in, he'll turn whatever it is into exciting faith for your life. You in a dead, boring relationship, let Jesus get involved. You look in your bank account and it seems a little dead and boring, let Jesus get involved. Try it. I'm telling you, try it. Let Jesus get involved in that thing. Your job, boring. I hate going to this job every day. We're having a conference this Friday called Work as Worship, and it just talks about how, listen, everybody's not called to be a pulpit preacher or some missionary going to foreign missions or doing those types of things, but some of us just work in the office. We work in the cube, or we work the cash register, or we, 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 you know, we're an architect, or whatever it might be. And so there is where you're able to worship. Doing your work, doing excellent work, being a blessing to your co-workers and to your boss. Come on now. And if you're a boss to your subordinates, you're able to work wherever you are. If you let Jesus get involved, I'm talking about exciting faith, folks. These water pots became more than just dead religion. They turned into this exciting faith, and those servants had to have that faith. Think about it. The servants had to have faith because... He says, fill up the water with water pot, then fill up the water pots with water, then take it to the master of the feast and let him draw it out. Fill it up with water and then take it to him. What's he going to think? Are you coming with me so I can say that you told me to do it? Because if he draws out nasty washing water, what am I supposed to say then? They had to have faith. Come on. They had faith. They were obedient. There have been people who have been in church for years. Some of you all are maybe new to church, you know, you're still young. But I want to tell you, there's been people, come on, who've been in church for years, and they are so worn out. <laughs> I mean, I'm not calling any names. It's not here. But other churches I'm talking about. I mean, just boring people. Come on. Most boring people you could ever want to be around. <laughs> I mean, they know scripture. Don't get me wrong. They, you know, they know that. But they're just, they're just Christian fossils. Come on. They're not exciting at all. But I've been around some other believers who've been believers for a long, long time. And I want to tell you, they're still to this day excited about Jesus. And I can see some out there today. Come on. Been around Jesus for a long time. Seen it. You know, forgot more stuff than you know. You know, that type of thing. But still excited about Jesus. You want to know why? Because obedience is the key. Because they're living a life of excitement. You want to know what a life of excitement is? Whatever he says, do it. That's a life of excitement. That's a life of excitement. And so the third thing, obedience is the key to our heart's desires. Obedience is absolutely the key to our heart's desires. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. Obedience is the key to getting your heart's desires met. Again, think about this. I... I, I you know, I believe God led us to this particular uh, passage of Scripture because this, this miracle, or this sign, really, because the Bible says this is the first sign that he did, right? This sign, come on, it's his first public sign. Again, wasn't raising somebody from the dead. Wasn't healing somebody. Wasn't casting out demons into pigs. It wasn't... It wasn't 
cracking the sky. It wasn't being on top of a mountain and transforming his body. It wasn't any of those. It was a simple blessing for a family to avoid embarrassment. First sign that Jesus ever did was simply blessing a family at their children's wedding with the refreshments. This is the first miracle that Jesus did, helping them pay for the refreshments. Are you getting this? I mean, this is, do you know what that tells me? It tells me that God cares about what you care about. God cares about your grades in school. God cares about your situation at work. Well, that's it. I can deal with that. Again, I hate to, you know, I can use her now because she's not here today, but, you know, my wife, she just, oh, it's just a little pain I can deal with. I said, God cares about that. Speak the word over it. God cares about it. Come on. He cares about everything that you care about, your family. God cares about, God cares about sending your kids to college. God cares about having medical and dental taken care of for your family. God cares about all of this. We got this thing where I got my heart's desires over here and the things that I need to do <clears throat> for the Lord over here. And I'm telling you that the key to your heart's desires is giving to God and being obedient to God. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself, come on, in the Lord, and he shall what? Give you the desires of your heart. Every, every time we've ever given to God, we've had needs. Every single time we've made a, we said, you know, there was one time God spoke to us to give $2,000. Now, to some of you, that doesn't seem like that much money. To others, that may as well be a million. It just depends on where you are in life, you know. I don't know. Some of you may be $2,000. That's, that's nothing to me, you know. Uh, but to me, it's not. <laughs> that's, it's something, you know. And he spoke to us, give $2,000 in addition to your tithe and offering that you're giving to your church. Give this to this other ministry here to someone we knew. We said, Lord, <clears throat> we just, you know, we're barely making that much money. God said, I know everything. You think you're telling me something I don't know? I want you to give the money. He said, Lord, well, I guess, uh, you know, I could do this and, you know, I could do that. He said, yeah, you could, you could do that. He said, Lord, well, I guess we, you know, don't have to, you know, go to the movie this week. Yeah, you could, you could do that. The Lord wasn't concerned with how we did it. It was just, whatever I say, do it. We did that, and I'm telling you, we were blessed. We were blessed for two years straight. About three weeks later, after we gave that, we really had nothing. It was kind of a situation where we gave the money, and it was like, okay, now what are we going to do? Because we need grocery money. We need money to pay bills. This, this is what I'm talking about, folks. I'm not talking about after everything's paid. Come on. And uh, we gave the money. So three weeks went by. There was still food in our cabinet, but it was running out. A friend of mine out of nowhere sent me a card. Hey, I was just thinking about you. I hadn't talked to you in seven or eight years. Didn't know what was going on with you. He had moved. I didn't even know where he was. He had moved to Florida. Didn't even know he was there. And in the card, we, I went up to the card and a check fell out. $2,000. The exact amount, the exact amount that we gave. And you know God does over and above, but what, I think what God was just showing us that time was if you'll just be obedient to me, you're not losing anything. That's what he was showing me. You're not losing anything. You're just being obedient. And then from there, we began to just be blessed. 
in, in multiple ways I don't even have time to go into. And we knew it was back to that point and moment in time when we were obedient to God. Every time we've given, we've had a need. But I'm telling you that if you'll build God's house, he'll build your house. If you'll build God's house, he'll build. I'll tell you something else you may not believe. But if you'll absolutely believe it, it will absolutely change your life. God wants to bless you. I'm wrapping it up with this. God wants to bless you more than you want to bless yourself. Now, you may not believe that, but it's the absolute truth. God wants to bless you more than you ever want to bless yourself. You might think, I don't know about that because I really do want to bless myself. Well, it's the truth. It's the truth. You didn't have that feeling till God gave it to you, even that feeling. Come on. God wants to bless you more than you can bless yourself. You want to know how I know? Two reasons. I'm going to give you the second one first because I think this is the most important one. The second one is God has more money and more resources than you do. God has more money than you do. Come on. And more resources. So he's able to do it. But here's the thing. God loves you more than you love yourself. I know you don't realize that, but it's true because you do things to yourself that hurt yourself. Come on. I'm talking about all, all sorts. We watch stuff on TV. We eat things. We say things. Come on. Uh, you know, we do things that hurt ourselves. God loves you more than you love yourself. Matthew 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Come on. And here's the thing, people can be blessed. You might say, well, so-and-so, Bill Gates is blessed, or Warren Buffett is blessed, or this, Carlos so-and-so is blessed, or whatever it is, and they have all this money. No, they just have a lot of money. Because here's the thing, Proverbs, I believe, 2.22, the Lord makes rich, and what? He adds no sorrow to it. There are some people who have a lot of money. There's some rich people, but some of them, it cost them their marriage to get it. Some of them it cost them their children. Come on, they don't, they don't have good relationships. Some of them it cost them their uh, just enjoyment of life. Some people are rich, but they, they don't enjoy life. What good is it to be rich and you don't even enjoy life? Come on. But the, but the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. And all he's asking you to do today is whatever he says, come on, do it. Jesus is sitting at the table of your heart's desire today. And the question before you is, are you going to be obedient to him? Do you believe that obedience is the key to your heart's desire?